So today we're talking about when to say no and how to decide when to say no. Yeah. And I'm really curious about how this is going to go, because I think that you and I will have pretty different approaches just because of the uh, nature of the different kinds of work that we do. Yeah, exactly. When you first brought up the idea of an episode about saying no, I was honestly first a little tentative because I don't think that I'm the best at saying no. And then the longer I sat on it and thought about it, I thought it might be good for me to actually take the time to think about. And then when I started thinking about it, uh, the first thing that actually jumped to mind was something I had heard uh, Derek Sivers say um, about his approach to saying no. And uh, Derek Sivers, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he is the uh, founder of a, um, I I think a startup in the 90s at this point called CD Baby back when like there was no Amazon or a whole lot of e-commerce. It's funny you mentioned Derek Sivers because I just bought a book uh, by him, Anything You Want, 40 Lessons for a New Kind of Entrepreneur. I just bought that book yesterday. So it's funny you mentioned oh, really? Derek Sivers. Ten years ago, he shared this idea of if you need to decide whether you want to say no to something or not. Um, think about it in terms of like, do you immediately feel like saying, hell yeah, I want to do that. And if you don't want to say, hell yeah, I'm going to do this, then say no. So even if you're just kind of like hemming and hawing or like, it sounds kind of interesting, just if you're not super, super excited about it, say no. So I'll share that link. And then, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is also mentioned in that book. I have a feeling well because we're going to be mentioning Derek Sivers quite a bit on this podcast because uh, he's come up several times in, in some of the research I've done on this show. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him, but that is one thing that has stuck with me. On his website, he points out that this is a really good uh, tool to use. The say, like, if you're not hell yeah, then say no. It's good when you really want to narrow your focus on like one thing. Um, or you feel like you're already overcommitted, then use this to decide um, like that 99% of the things that are going to come across um, your attention um, should just be turned away. Um, so I think while I like the sentiment of that, the general approach that I have is that I am working on a lot of different things and whether or not that is what I should be doing. I tend to think of it in terms of like if it is a an automatic like hell no then I will say no. Otherwise, I kind of think of it as like exploration. Like if I'm in new territory, which I feel like I am constantly learning and like exploring new things that I just am like not quite in over my head, but I'm doing a lot of learning. I kind of take it, uh, approach it as like, let's try this out or let's see where we can go with this. So I kind of have the, uh, the flip mentality of Derek Sivers and it works out uh, pretty well. For me, I think um, it's just and we'll cover this, I'm sure, over the course of this episode. Uh, but there's lots of situational things where either one of these strat strategies may or may not be appropriate. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Definitely much more in the hell yeah camp when it comes to when I say yes to something. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what you have to say uh, otherwise. One of the things I wanted to point out was that sometimes we think the a lot of decisions are permanent, and uh, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, a lot of times there's yeah. a way to get out of a situation, especially 
it's especially understandable, for instance, if you're volunteering on something and it just isn't a good fit. Don't ever feel like you're obligated to stick in. Um, try to make a commitment if you can, but it's always always know that you have that opportunity to change your mind when uh, things just aren't going according to what you thought it was going to be. I totally agree. So um, I try to kick myself out of this mindset that every decision that I make is um, is made forever. And I have to constantly be reconsidering when I say no to someone, uh, think of it in terms of not right now. So um, a lot of opportunities, they can come up again. And for the ones that are like, I have to make the decision right now and there's a good chance that I won't be able to get the same opportunity. There's also a good chance that you might not get that same opportunity, but you'll get something pretty similar or that might still fill that same need or um, solve the same sorts of problems sometime down the road. So if you're not ready for it, um, another way that you can think about it is you're not ready right now. Maybe you will be in a month and there's different ways that you can approach uh like turning someone down and presenting it in the way of like, you know, I'm kind of busy right now, or, you know, is this something that might be on the table in a month or two months or three months? So that's a really good point. Sometimes I find myself putting myself in volunteering myself in different situations, almost as a way to get out of certain obligations I already have. And I think it's important to keep in mind that folks should finish what they're currently working on most of the time uh, before bringing on new uh, responsibilities. And I think like identifying what commitments are important. We just said, of course you can, you can change your mind on things, but don't try to add more than what you already have and consider what you currently have as, as a priority of something you want to finish. Totally. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I guess I would add that um, when you make commitments that you're also constantly reassessing whether your commitments are going according to a plan, whether you need to like change your course of action. And also sometimes the uh, definition of what it means to be done with a commitment can change as well. So um, changing your mind thinking that decisions aren't permanent goes both ways. You might say no and have another opportunity down the road. At the same time, you can also say yes and things might change. I mean, definitely we've covered when there are emergencies like health emergencies, you might not have any choice. It might just be automatic that you have something that is way more important coming up in your life. And so you have to end commitments right then and there. And that's OK. And if you are dealing with somebody who doesn't understand that, it's probably good to, to remove yourself from that commitment anyways, because uh, you're dealing with somebody who's not very understanding. Yeah. Communication. Communication in all of these situations is very important when you decide um, to say no or ask if you can postpone or you change your mind or you say yes. It's always important to be very clear about uh, what your decision is and what your expectations are by making a decision. And I think one of the problems is people keep adding more responsibilities that they already have. They lack the ability to make boundaries Um and it reminds me of a quote uh, I know we've talked I've talked about how I'm a big fan of uh, parks and recreation but there's a great quote from Ron Swanson 
or one of the characters, Leslie, she commits herself to too many uh, obligations. And uh, he he oftentimes gives decent sage advice, even though he's kind of a quirky character. But he said, never half-ass two things, always whole-ass one thing. And uh, I think that's really true in a lot of ways, is that people find themselves and they put themselves into too many situations. And they forget, they should just put dedicate all their time to one thing rather than trying to spread themselves thin and, and not making a really good effort at all the little things that they've committed to now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I don't follow uh, parks and recs, even though uh, parks and rec, even though I've heard it's a really good show. Um, so I'm not exactly sure if this is the same sentiment, but when I hear that quote, it makes me think that uh, the, the way to approach whole assing one thing is that given the time that you want to spend on something, make sure that you're wholly focused on that one thing. So even yeah. if you have two priorities, like you have two contracts, for example, ongoing, don't try and juggle them both at the same time. Uh, dedicate a portion of your day to one, really focus on that, you know, put all of your energy into it and then dedicate time for the other one as appropriate as well. Yeah. I mean, we could go on about the curse of multitasking and how it's been proven to be a disaster for a lot of people. And uh, I think you just pretty much keyed on that point. Yeah. And I think the goal is to not dilute yourself and not feel like you're constantly struggling just to keep your head above water. So everyone is going to be different. Some people prefer only working on one thing at a time. And so they might find that finding a salary position and working on one project or one contract at a time is appropriate. Other people, um, the way that they approach work, it might be that they have 10 projects going on and they divvy that up by spending a lot of time on like one day of the week on each one. And all of those can be workable. Yeah, I agree completely. Is there anything else you wanted to add about boundaries, not half-assing things? Hmm, I don't think so. I think another point I wanted to make was, especially for folks who are freelancers, is um, when you volunteer for things, uh, basically work on things for free, I'd be very, very careful of making that into a habit because it sends a signal to people that you're willing to do things for free. This is, of course, only for freelancers, but it could apply to a lot of other people. But uh, everything you do has a price. And when you dedicate yourself to something or volunteer to something, no, that's basically taking time away from doing things that can actually make money. And it, it's more about a it's more about sending a message to folks about your availability and, and what you can dedicate your time to. Yeah. So actually that gives me another idea of how to approach an opportunity with a yes or a no answer. So uh, if it is something that you are really interested in and it's an opportunity that may not be ideal, if you can find other ways to actually change that opportunity so that it works out better for you, then you don't have to think in terms of responding with a yes or a no. You can say, I'm interested. However, what do you think about this? And present an opportunity as a way that offers more value for you. So even in those situations where it might be volunteer work, you can find ways that you're getting something out of it too, instead of just doing something that's one-sided and might be doing something really good and effective for whomever you're helping, but is taking a lot of your time and energy. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a total great sense. And I'm not good at counter proposals like that. I need to be able to articulate those in those situations. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's it's been a challenge for me, too. And it's just something that 
I've recently been trying to I've recently been trying to understand that when someone asks me a question that on the surface seems like it's a yes or no answer, I don't have to instinctively think of it and give an answer in terms of yes or no. Like we can change the questions. We can have conversations like people are really good at that. Well, yeah. We try to be really good at communicating with each other. And the more practice we do at responding to opportunities with, I really like this, let's have a conversation about it, then A, it gives you a little bit more time to think of what your actual answer might be. And it gives you opportunities to explore the pros and cons and change an opportunity so that it works out best for both uh, both parties. I think it's a really great point. Do you have other ways that you respond to like proposals or uh, asking for volunteers or things like that? Yeah. Um, so I I might come up with a handful, but off the top of my head, there are a handful of ways. I wouldn't call them strategies because I found myself just getting in the habit of doing these. And it wasn't because I read it in a book or anything like that. However, some of the things that I've caught myself doing are like setting geographical boundaries. If someone sends me an email, like a recruiter emails me or sends me a message on LinkedIn or something like that, and I can I see that they are from some startup in California or in New York or not even in this country, anywhere outside of Michigan, I know that it's probably not anywhere close to related to what my interests and my focus on work are. So a lot of the work that I do is very local and involved with communities that are here in Lansing, Michigan. And so I can give an automatic response um, to say, you know, this is outside of my area or more often what I actually do is not even respond. I won't answer the phone call. I will just delete the email and not even respond to it. So um, that's helped me realize I don't have to respond to every single opportunity that is presented to me. Another way to think about that is that sometimes people will email you and they will send you a statement and they might be trying to imply that there is an opportunity. Like think of it this way. So one of the universities in the area has a um, an RFP go out for some kind of software that they might want built. And I email you and say, hey, Leo, I found this RFP and I thought you might be interested. If that's all I put in there, I'm not actually asking you for anything. And those are very easy to just like file away. I will find myself just not even responding to those because the person didn't ask me for anything. They're not asking if they wanted to work with me or in this example, like it's just I'm just sending you information. It's it's spam, basically. And so I might read it, but I don't automatically feel an obligation to respond to it. Yeah, I think it's a good point. This is especially true. And I know this happens with me, both as somebody who sends stuff out and as somebody who receives stuff. But one thing I notice is if I get something that looks like a form letter, I'm more inclined to just pretty much ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's a form letter, going back to our thing about counter proposals, I don't think this person is looking for counter proposals. This is a mass email and they're looking to get whatever 1% return rate. And if you send a counter proposal, they're not going to even bother looking at it because, you know, what's the benefit of, uh, they, they, there's already enough people that are willing to do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it's just what you said. Someone is casting a wide net. They're just sending an email out to as many people as they can. Uh, or on the flip side, the specific example was very personal. I thought you might be interested and then I don't actually ask you anything. There's, like very low obligation to that. I'm not going to be hurt if you don't even respond to it. It's just something that I wanted to put in your headlights. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
and please, you know, I'll, I'll make sure not to text you at 2 a.m. in the morning as well. Cause I don't think, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't think it's, that's appropriate. I think that's, it, it's, there's a little bit more social protocol about ignoring an email as opposed to ignoring a text. So I promise not to do that to you. Yeah, very true. And same back at you, unless it's a real emergency. I could save you $10 on your car insurance, Eric. Uh, oh, I'll send that to you. At oh like boy. Can't wait. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's really interesting. So aside from just not responding to something based on geography, there are other ways that you can assess whether you want to respond to something like someone emailing you or, um, yeah, like sending you a text or calling you in the middle of the night. This reminds me of a really specific example where I was on a contract and the, uh, a recruiter wanted to get a hold of me and I wasn't answering my phone. And so they ended up calling the office of the company that I had my contract with (laughs) and they had HR redirect the call so that they could get a hold of me besides just being livid because that is very bad form. um, I am guaranteed jumping right to hell no at anything that you have to say if you try and pull something like that. So that was a very quick short uh, conversation and they didn't get what they were looking for. Um, let's see. The more I say these out loud, the more I, I think that I might sound a bit like a jerk when I say them. However, they work really well. So I'm going to keep going. Well, here's the thing though. I mean, we live in a modern age where we get stuff thrown at us all the time. So I think it's totally legitimate I think it's more the onus is on those who are making these requests to understand that everybody's going to respond to them. This is something I've learned over the last year that it is the onus on people to respond to everything they get, because we live in an age where we have so much crap essentially thrown at us that we need to respond to that. um, I think it's totally legitimate to, to I, I am myself needing to learn this, but it's totally legitimate to be ignored or to ignore others in some cases. Yeah, actually, that's really close to like the last two that I have in mind. Maybe I'll think of more as I talk, but uh, the last couple of ideas that I had for making decisions on this, like uh, one of them is to just defer my decision by asking when I need to decide something. Uh, lots of, And this, this says something to the way you can start asking people about opportunities as well. First of all, make it a question. If you're not actually asking someone of something, then there's a good chance that they're not going to know what you're actually looking for and how to respond. However, another thing that you can do or not do is put a, uh, put a deadline on the answer. This helps people decide easier. And another thing that you can do is if no one, uh, if someone reaches out to you with an opportunity and they do not say when you need to provide an answer, then that's a really easy way to reply to them and ask when you would like an answer by. And that gives you a little bit of time to think about your answer instead of just automatically making your decision. And then it will also open up potentially a lot wider window than you think you might have. So if they say the deadline isn't for another month and you get an email and the way it's presented makes you think that you have to answer within a day or two because it's a hot opportunity, then suddenly you bought yourself a lot more time to actually think about this and then finish up some of your other commitments if it is something that you might be interested in, but right now just isn't an appropriate time. That's a really good point. I think when I make requests, I always have some sort of like, 
default if you don't make a request and then a due date, because that way you can say, well, look, you didn't make, you didn't respond. So I assumed X and I put that in the email, um, you know, cause it, it gives them a little bit more leeway and backs you up. If uh, they don't respond, they're like, Hey, you never gave me the opportunity. And I said, well, sorry, I told you I need to know by a week. Like it is what it is. So Yeah. I think it's a really good point. Yeah. And I had a, uh, I had one more and I'm trying to hang on to it before I forget. Um, and then this is probably the worst one of all, um, in terms of like making myself feel bad or feel like a jerk, but sometimes I just snooze. Like if I get an email and I don't want to decide, um, I just snooze that email and say like, remind me about this in a couple of days or next week or sometime in the future, which I think with uh, Google inbox means like, don't bother me with this anymore. However, it gives me this uh, like idea in my head that maybe I will come back to this someday, even though really I never will. Um, and it is because I started using Google Inbox, which is going to be going away soon. Uh, but they've incorporated this feature into Gmail as well. So you can uh, respond to an email by just sending it into the future. So you can not answer right away. Say, I don't know send me this email again in two days or five days or next week. And so that gives me a little bit of time to put some extra thought into it or just not worry about it. Um, it also gives me a chance to look and see like, if I do know that I have to answer this email three months from now, instead of like right in this moment, I can snooze it and say like, remind me about this when it's actually important in like two months or three months or something like that. So it also allows me to just allocate my time a little bit better instead of putting a lot of unnecessary thought into an opportunity that's not even going to be relevant until some distant time in the future. Um, let's see. And then, all right, this is one that sometimes I feel guilty about is I just snooze because things don't seem like they're urgent and I don't feel like I have a strong obligation to respond. And so I just snooze them a few days at a time. And then at some point, maybe months from now, I will see that I have snoozed this thing dozens of times. I think I have just answered for them. There's a point at which you don't need to snooze anymore. Yeah. Yeah. If it's important, if it's like a hell yeah, then it'll come up. So for someone who may not feel like sending an email right away because they don't have that hell yeah mentality and they also don't want to um, turn something down, then you can just snooze it and then when it becomes apparent to you that, yeah, I'm not really going to take this opportunity. I don't want it. Then you can just archive that email and then maybe send a polite no or not even respond. Cool. Yeah. I think when it comes to saying no, things you want to just keep in mind is uh, don't try to take on when you already have plenty of things that keep you busy, complete what you already have and just focus on that. Don't try to use new tasks as a way to distract you from your current responsibilities. Uh, make sure that you make boundaries about what you can, what you need to complete first. And I, it goes back to what you were saying about not just responsibilities, but also priorities and keeping those priorities in mind. Yeah. Yeah. There is kind of a big theme right there of just knowing what your priorities are. If you are constantly, not constantly, but daily or weekly reassessing what your work priorities are that will help you better prepare for turning things down or saying yes to something. 
Yeah. And I think it's important to know if you're somebody like a freelancer or does contract work or things like that, when you're volunteering, you're sending a signal to others that you're open to working for free. Uh, Just keep that in mind. Uh, You better believe in something. You better be almost like Derek Siver says, almost like a hell yeah, if you're going to do it. And then the other thing I wanted to uh, just point out, we talk about Derek Sivers, but also Ron Swanson. Never half-ass two things, always whole-ass one thing. And I think that's another uh, important thing to point out. Mm -hmm. So, Eric, we're going over our topics, and I wanted to ask, are you ready for another book club again? Yeah. Do you think we can uh, do a little bit better than The Power of Habit? Yeah, I hope so. By some interpretation of better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We're going to put together a list of books and hopefully uh, post it on our website about what we're interested in reading and kind of see what the audience, not not exactly the next episode, but definitely within the next few, uh, I'd like to do another book club again and uh, really uh, get into it and see if it helps us stay more productive or whether it's just more filler for folks with too much money and too much time on their hands. Does that sound like a good idea? Cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yep. I mean, I do love books and I love learning. Cool. Well, I'll talk to you again. All right. Sounds good. Take it easy, Leo.